thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Do you know what? I think we have a problem right now. And I'm not just talking about the virus, the global pandemic, and I'm not talking about a political problem or a social problem or an economic problem, because although I think this problem impacts all of those things, I think we have a relational problem. And I want to talk to you today just for a few minutes uh, about this issue. And what I want to do is I want to do three things today. I want to diagnose the problem. I want to outline the solution. And then I want to suggest some application for you today, okay? And I think this could be a game changer for every single one of us. Every single relationship that we have, whether it's a romantic relationship, a family relationship, a friendship, a business, a church, even can I say for nations, this issue, this problem, if we could address this problem, could literally change everything. So, Stick with me for the next 20 or 25 minutes and I'm going to diagnose the problem. So what is the problem? Well, the Prince's Trust say that 22% of 16 to 25-year-olds say that they grow up without having anybody to talk to about their problems. Almost one in two of our marriages now don't make the distance. In fact, the Citizens Advice Bureau are saying that during lockdown, um, requests for advice about getting divorced have risen by 20%. Politically and socially, I think we are more divided now than I can remember in my lifetime. Loneliness is worse for you. This is according to health research than obesity. In fact, loneliness can cause you to die prematurely or the rate of that is like 26%. It's a massive issue. But yet you might say, but we're so connected. Yeah, well, we are connected, but we're still so isolated. Why? We have lost the art of the one habit that builds healthy relationships. And that is the art of conversation. I think as a culture, and I'm not just talking about during coronavirus, I think as a culture, we have lost the art of conversation. You see, happiness is linked to the quality rather than the quantity of our relationships. And the quality of our relationships is directly linked to the quality of our conversation. The author called Susan George, she says this, our lives succeed or fail gradually, then suddenly one conversation at a time. The conversation is the relationship. Uh, and it reminds me of an old Cliff Richard song. Some of you don't even know who Cliff Richard is, but I, I, I don't know whether you can even put in the chat, what song am I thinking about? It's so funny how we don't talk anymore. That's the song. It's so funny how we don't talk anymore. And yet you say, yeah, we do. We're always talking. Yeah, we are always talking, but we're not talking. You see, we're talking, but we're not conversing. We're sending out our opinions. We're tweeting and we're posting and we're sending out all of our thoughts and and all of our feelings. But are we really conversing? Do we have meaningful conversation? And I want to suggest to you that this, okay, this telephone is part of the issue. Now, before some of you switch off, before some of you younger people think, here he is, old guy, he's going to tell us to put our phones down. He's going to tell us that it's, social media is really bad for you. Listen, I've got my phone in my hand more than most people, okay? And I don't think social media and technology is the enemy. In fact, I think this makes a great tool. It makes a great servant, but it makes a terrible master. 
And the reality is one of the reasons that's impacting this lost art of conversation is our reliance on technology and on social media. Now, I want to balance what I say, okay? Because as a church, we're all over social media right now and we're all into technology. And in fact, this is allowing us to stay connected and allowing us to communicate with you. We're communicating with you wherever and whenever you're watching this because of technology. So we're not against that at all. But there's a tension here that in the discovery of all this amazing new technology, have we lost this beautiful art, the one health habit that builds healthy relationships, the art of conversation. You see, guys, we hide behind our screens. There's a new term now called um, fubbing, which is ignoring the person for the device. We retreat behind our devices. Anyone ever said this? I'd rather text than talk. Why? Because it's easier. Because it's one way. Because it's clinical. Because you can edit it. And so we'd rather text, I'm sorry, than have the kind of process. And, and we miss out on the learning and the insight of having the conversation to say you're sorry and learn through the mess of that. It's too difficult to maintain the tension. We'd rather work it all out and then just press send. In fact, um, Dick uh, Veenman, who is the director of an organization called The Right Conversation, he said, rather than engage with the messy reality of talking, we stop listening. We interact with sanitized sound bites and not the reality. Guys, do we put people on pause when we reach for our phone? <laughs> do we substitute technology for real people? And so Siri and Alexa and Satnav, they talk to us like real people. Do we as parents have our kids in the room, but we're on our phones? A little bit like this photo right now. It used to be, we used to say to the teenagers, put your phone down, we're in the room. I wonder now whether actually our kids are in the room and we're the ones, parents, who are on the phone. Stephen Colbert, who's an American comedian, he said, don't all these little tweets, these little sips of online connection add up to one big gulp of real conversation? No, they don't. They really don't. What's wrong with real conversation? Well, I'll tell you what some of us think is wrong with it. It takes place in real time and you can't control it and you can't edit it. Guys, relationships are rich. They're messy, but they're also rewarding. And we're, place, we're replacing relationships with connection and it's not the same. We're expecting more from our technology than we are from one another. We are lonely, but we're afraid of intimacy. And maybe you don't use technology. Maybe you're not all over social media, but maybe you too have still lost the art of conversation. Sherry Turkle, who writes amazingly into this area, she says this, we want the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. So guys, we have a problem as a society, but I want to outline the solution for you, okay, uh, uh, right now. You see, there was once a day when our relationships were totally perfect, where there were no issues and no fractures between us and each other, and our relationship with God was also perfect. And I want to tell you the story of something that happened that caused so much to go wrong. This explains gender inequality. This explains hatred and division and racism and fracture and brokenness. This explains why the world is as it is, as it is. Why we are, we've never been more connected and at the same time more isolated than we are right now. Now, if you're not a person of faith, I want to encourage you, don't switch off right now, okay? 
I'm going to go right back to the start of the Bible and tell you a story that some people think is a fairy tale, a myth or a legend. And so some of you, if you're not a person of faith, you'll be tempted to switch off right now, but don't switch off. Hang with me. This is so, so important. You see, the Bible talks about these, this guy and girl called Adam and Eve. And, and Adam and Eve had this great relationship where they had this conversation that was, that was perfect. There were, th- th- there were no kind of issues of brokenness or misunderstanding. And their relationship with God was also perfect. But God had given them free will. And he basically said, you can have anything you want in this world apart from that one thing. But this is part of the human condition. We'd rather go for the one thing that we can't have rather than enjoy all the things that we can have. And because of that one act of disobedience and that one act of rebellion, then there was a fracture in the relationship, not only between Adam and Eve, but also between Adam and Eve and God. And this kind of explains why the world is as it is today. Because of that one action, that one action, there was this fracture and this brokenness between people and between us and God and between us and our environment. And you see, God said, enjoy everything in the place. Just don't touch the one thing. But of course they did. And with it, everything changed. With it came blame. With it came shame. With it came hiddenness and covering and fracture and brokenness and excusing and pointing the finger. And not only that, but the relational disconnection that happened then went on from generation to generation. And you and I in the 21st century, even though we are so connected, are still so disconnected when it comes to real relationship. And then one day after this had happened, after Adam and Eve had made this break, then God appears in the garden as he did many times before. And we're going to read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. And it says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. You might think, what on earth has this got to do with the lost art of conversation? How do I know that conversation is the one habit that builds healthy relationships? Well, there's something in the Bible called the law of first mention. Well, it's actually in our study of the Bible. It's called the law of first mention. In other words, when something is mentioned for the first time in the Bible, that's where you get the most accurate definition of what that thing is all about. And here in this this little few verses that I've read to you, these little sentences that I've read to you, you see the first question that's ever asked in the Bible. Now, the first question that's ever asked has got to be really important. In fact, your first question is always really important. Let me illustrate. So I have a brand new car. I don't, but imagine that I do, okay? And I bring the car back from the showroom and I say to Alison, my wife, hey, here's the brand new car. And she says, looks great, looks great. And she's got a battered old car and she says, yeah, your car looks great. And then one day, a few weeks later, she says, can I uh, take your car to the shops? And so I think about it and pray about it. And then eventually I say, yes, you can. She takes my car to the shops. And then about an hour later, she phones me. Okay, this is a story, by the way. It didn't really happen. She phones me and she says, darling, I've got to tell you, I've smashed your car. I've been in a car crash. How important is my first question right there and then? What should my first question be? I wonder if any of you know the answer to that. Put it on the chat. What should my first question be? Darling, How is the car? No, that's not the first question. My first question reveals what's most important to me. My first question must be, darling, how are you? 
not how is the car. And the first question that God ever asks reveals what is most important to him. Because when he comes into the garden, when he comes looking for Adam and Eve, the first question he asks isn't, here I am. He doesn't say, here I am. He says, where are you? Where are you? This is so, so important. God knows the answer to the question because he's God, but he still asks it. Why? And here's the big idea for today. A real conversation always contains an invitation. A real conversation always contains an invitation. Oh, guys, I want to say to you, this might sound so simple today. And, and often people say that, that we communicate simply. We do, but we are communicating some really deep stuff today, I believe. A real conversation always contains an invitation. You see, to God, relationship is everything. And to relationship, conversation is everything. Where are you? is an invitation to assess your location in relation to that person. Now, maybe you've ever been to a theme park or maybe you've been to a new city and uh, you're looking for a particular ride in the theme park or you're looking um, uh, for a, uh, an attraction in the city. And maybe before sat-navs and mobile phones, you used to go to a big map, didn't you? You know, like the big map uh, in the theme park or the big map that's in the city centre by the tourist information centre. And you look for it and you look... For the, for, the, for the attraction or for the building that you want to go to. And when you find it, that's great, but that doesn't help you get there. You need to look for this little symbol that's coming up on your screen right now. You are here. You see, when you know where you are, then you can work your way to the place or to the person that you want to go see. And this question that God asks is the question that God asks every single person every single day. Where are you? It's an invitation to a conversation to establish and to re-establish relationship. When you know where you are, then you can relocate and you can connect again with that person. And so God confronted them in this conversation. And that question, where are you, was not just where are you geographically. It was, hey, where are you at? What's going on with you, really? How are you, really? And, 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 and they reply, well, Adam replies in verse 12. And as a man, this is embarrassing to say this, but here we go. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Come on, men. I mean, what he's doing right there is he's doing the two things that we do. He's blaming and he's excusing. Do you notice who he's blaming? He's not only blaming the woman, he's blaming God. You put the woman here. So it's, it, it's her fault. And if it's not her fault, it's your fault. It's anyone's fault other than my fault. And isn't that what happens in relationships, guys? Isn't that what happens in relationship, girls? Isn't that what happens when we excuse and when we blame? There's so much here in this story. There's shame, there's blame, there's excuse, there's hiddenness, there's division. And before I switch to our relationships, let me just say a few things about our relationship to God. You see, this flips on its head the idea that God is hiding and we are seeking him. It's the other way around. This flips on its head the idea that faith in God is merely, merely a religion. You see, Christianity is the only faith that starts with a God who is looking for us. And you see, God comes to them in the cool of the day, which was evening time. Why does he do that? And it suggests that he did that many times before. I think God does that because he knows that's the best uh, temperature for them. It doesn't matter to God, but it's the best for them. And then even when they're, when they're aware of their own nakedness and they cover up their nakedness with the fig leaves, even though this breaks the heart of God 
Uh, and if you like, he, he has to do stuff and he has to send them out of the garden. But you know, as they go, he, he gets them to take animal skins and cover themselves with animal skins. Why? Two reasons. Number one, this is a signpost to what's coming in the future. God is already working on a plan to restore the relationship that had been broken through their own free will and choice. And this is a signpost towards the day coming when there's going to be a sacrifice that's going to cover our brokenness. And that's his own son, Jesus. But there's another reason why I think he gave them animal skins. Now, I've never tried this and I don't suggest you try it at home. But, you know, fig leaves apparently are very prickly. And so I think they're not quite so comfortable around your nakedness as animal skins. You see, even in this moment of disconnection and brokenness, God out of his kindness is moving towards these people. I think this is absolutely amazing. Where are you? is a question that leads into a conversation. Because you see, a real conversation always, always contains an invitation. A real conversation always contains an invitation. Conversation is the one habit that builds healthy relationships. And I think God established this by his first question, the first question ever recorded, being a question about relationship and about conversation. So what I want to do is I want to give you some application today. And I hope and pray that whether you're a person of faith or not, you take these three things on board. If you take these three things on board, if I take these three things on board, if we take these three things on board, maybe our relationships will go to another level. Maybe some of you who are watching this right now, maybe your marriage would go to another level. Maybe your family relationships would go to another level. Maybe at work where there's that fracture in that relationship. Maybe with those neighbours or those friends that you haven't spoken to in a long while. And maybe, can I humbly suggest, maybe our politicians and our leaders and our nation would go to another level if only we applied some of these principles. And so, How do we take our conversation and our relationships to another level? Number one, take your time. Take your time. You know, I think when you look at this, it says that that God came to them in the call of the day. And you get the impression when you read it that this wasn't the first time that God came to them in the call of the day. You get the impression that their relationship together and with God was a, a slow one. It was one where they took time with each other. I want to, and, and I know, and, and those of you that know me well will know this is, this is a challenge for me. And if you're an activist person and you're, you know, you're kind of a type A person or, or you're an Enneagram 3 like I am, you'll know that everything is about speed. But, but, you know, love has a speed and it's not fast. It's really not. I want to quote from Kazuku Koyoma, who's a Japanese theologian. He says this, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It is an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all the other speeds, since it is the speed of love. What would happen to our relationships if we slowed down a bit? So that instead of just projecting or speaking or, or texting or messaging, we actually slowed down enough that we didn't just send messages, 
but we heard messages. We listened to one another. You know, as I record this, we're, we're, we're in the middle of our second national lockdown here in the UK. And, um, and so there's very little that we can do in terms of physically connecting with each other. But we can go for a socially distanced walk with somebody else. And over the last um, uh, seven or eight days, I've been on, I think, four socially distanced walks with other people. And I have to say, I've so been enriched through that process. Just literally walking for a fair amount of time and listening and talking and relating and conversing and stuff that I wouldn't have done ordinarily. But lockdown has given us this amazing opportunity. And guys, I want to say to you, especially if you are feeling lonely or disconnected, is there another person that you could say, hey, could we go for a walk? And when you go for that walk, take your time, slow down, listen to them as well as speak. It's so important. So number one, take your time. But number two, take your turn. Take your turn. Proverbs 18 verse 13 says this, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. I want to suggest, um, if you ever want a game of table tennis, okay, then here's the key, okay? If you want to play a game of table tennis, if you're always the one that's holding the ball, you're never going to have a satisfactory game, okay? Because actually, if you hold the ball, it's a little bit like what happens in conversation. If I'm holding the ball, it's like I'm the one talking, you're the one listening. That's not conversation. That doesn't build a relationship. So I kind of really want to hit this ball at, at the cameraman now, but I'm not going to do it. But here's the thing. If you want to have a relationship, like if you want to have a game in, in that sense, you've got to release the ball. You've got to take your turn. You see, here's the thing. Um, George Bernard Shaw, who, who's a famous British author, he said the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. You know, many of us in our relationships, we say, well, I have communicated. No, no, you've spoken. That's not communication because you haven't had a conversation. So you think the communication has happened, but it really hasn't happened. You see, when you think that I, that I, I heard you say, take that thing up the stairs, all right, rather than leave it on the stairs, you think I heard it, but I didn't hear it. I'm, I'm joking there, okay? But here's the thing. What happens in communication is there is a process you see, there is a sender of a message. There is a receiver of a, of a message. In the space in the middle, there's lots of opportunity for things to get lost in translation. There's our cultural awarenesses. There's our uh, past experiences. There's our personality and our temperament. There's our body language. There's our nonverbal communication. So when we think we said something, actually, the other person hasn't necessarily understood it. Lots of things can get lost in translation. I remember years ago when we were taking a team of young people out to Bulgaria and uh, we were doing a lot of practical work, painting uh, orphanages and different buildings. And, and the guys there sent me an email back and the email said this, when your team comes, can you please paint the widows? And I, I, you see, see, one letter makes all the difference, doesn't it? What we actually painted the windows, like we didn't like line up loads of Bulgarian ladies and start painting them. Because literally one letter makes all the difference. Or the old classic stories of, of in China when Pepsi was released in China years ago and the phrase on the advertising billboards was supposed to say, um, come alive with the Pepsi generation. In fact, it was translated to this, Pepsi brings your ancestors back from the grave. I mean, I mean here's this thing, like, like it, it's not the message that was meant to be sent. And how many of us, you know, in our relationships, because we lose that art of conversation, 
And we forget that it's not just about us speaking. It's about us listening. It's about taking your turn. I know you believe you understand what you think I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. So guys, how do we rediscover this lost art of conversation? Number one, we take our time. But number two, we take our turn. What does that mean? It means, guys, please ask questions. God asked a question right at the beginning. Where are you? Because he knew the answer. He already knew the answer, but he wanted relationship. And relationship comes when you not only take your time, but when you take your turn. So I want to encourage you. When was the last time in a conversation you asked not just one question, but several questions? How are you doing? Really? And then listen to the answer and then ask a follow-on question. How are you coping with that? How do you find that? How do you feel about that? And that as you start asking more questions, you start that ping pong keeps going between you and them. And then in that art of conversation, you discover real and meaningful relationship. You know, I can't tell you how many times uh, me and Alison have had this conversation that where we've been out with people and they haven't asked us a single question in the whole of the interaction. And I know from speaking to many other people that that can be the, the case as well. Has someone talked? Of course they've talked. Have we connected? Of course we've connected. Have we related? I'm not so sure. Guys, ask a question and ask the follow-up question. It's so, so important. And then when we listen to each other, guys, can I just say this as well? Let's listen to the boring bits as well as the exciting bits. Because when we listen to the boring bits, we hear a little bit of who that other person is. A real conversation always contains an invitation. A real conversation always contains an invitation. So number one, take your time. Number two, take your turn. And number three, take a risk. Let's take a risk in our relationship. Peter says in 1 Peter 4 verse 8, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins. Guys, I want to say a few things. I'm drawing to a close. In your conversation, be fully present. In my research for this, I discovered that now people are learning how to maintain eye contact while they're test texting other people. Maintaining eye contact while contact while texting other people. Look, I can't even speak and do the same thing. Listen, when you do that, you don't communicate value to the person that you're looking at. You just communicate that you're learning a technique so that you can text while you keep eye contact. That's not conversation. In your conversation, always ask the second question. Don't just ask, how are you? Ask a follow-up question and then another question because then you build relationship. And in your conversation, and here's a good one, why don't you make it about the other person rather than always making it about you? And you might think that you don't do that, but, but maybe we need a little bit of self-awareness and reflection. You know, I, I love this story that I heard many years ago um, about, it's set in kind of Victorian England, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, Gladstone and Disraeli were two uh, politicians. They were both prime ministers in their day. They were both incredibly intelligent. And there's a story told that they're both at the same dinner party. And this uh, very well-to-do lady is having a conversation with both of them. And she says this, when I came away from speaking with Gladstone, I felt surely he is the cleverest man in England. 
Then she says this, but when I came away from a conversation with Disraeli, I felt to myself, surely I am the cleverest woman in the whole of England. Why is that? Because one of them made her feel special. The other one spoke all about himself. Guys, how how do people feel when they leave your presence? How, How do people feel when they walk away from a conversation with you, a conversation with me? Do they think, oh, they're really clever? Or do they go away thinking, do you know what? I feel enriched. I feel encouraged. I feel uplifted. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that change things? You know, our political leaders and our world leaders have lost the art of conversation. You know, you know, in our communities and our businesses and even, can I dare say, in our churches, we've lost that art of conversation. We're all about getting our opinion over. We're all about getting what we think is important over. And how does that make other people feel? And yet God, the ultimate, you know, he didn't, this is going to sound crazy. Didn't even play the God card. God went to us. God came to us and said, where are you? Where are you? How are you? Really, so important. In your conversations, take it deeper. I want to encourage you, maybe there are relationships in your world right now and they are fractured and they are broken. Could you repair them? Could you move towards them? Could you? And I don't just mean send them a text and say, I'm sorry. I mean, have an actual conversation. Get into the rich, the messy, the scary, but rewarding uh, depths of real conversation because a real conversation always, always contains an invitation. It did right at the beginning of history and it does right now. I'm going to come back in a few minutes, but I want to pause for a minute and I want to introduce someone to you. Tom, one of our guys here in the church, is an amazing guy who has been able to write and craft some spoken word. And, and what you're going to hear and experience in the next four minutes or so, is not just a commentary on these last seven or eight months of coronavirus. It's also a bigger commentary on our society. And within it is an invitation to rediscover the lost art of conversation. This is called White Noise. Twenty twenty, you've been giving me visions. Don't have the diction to describe you. I've been watching Chuckle Vision. But when the laughter stops, 2020, I want to put you in my peripherals. Find some shade and just do something medicinal. I've never read 50 shades, but I've still got 50 ways where I could lower the tone. Don't worry though, I've been going 50 days. I can't even lower my phone. You see, I'm addicted to social media, afflicted. No matter how much I feast, I just get greedier. Staring at a screen, self-medicating, so my mind is full. I even tried meditating, but I'm still not mindful. So I don't mind fighting with the fam just to fan the flames. Patience has worn so thin, I've been playing Hunger Games. Could count the cost. I'd rather count on my lack of accountability. So that when I tell you about my life, you just hear the symphonies. I live outside of Jericho in the band of Bartimaeus. But my life is a concerto played by Wolfgang Amadeus. And no one else can be the highest. So rarely do I speak a word of kindness. And just like Bart, when I look into the world, I look in blindness. You can still tune into my frequencies. I can even teach you a bit about history. I've never touched a book or opened an anthology. But let me tell you about your culture in my Facebook apology. So outraged that I'll pray a lamentation to pay homage. Never engaged to pay a reparation and break bondage. 
Didn't do empire at college, but I'm defending the truth now, so who needs knowledge? And there's no middle ground, so if we're different, you're a heathen. It's all in the name of God, though, although I forgot his son is Middle Eastern. Now things are getting too tense. Penny for your thoughts, I've got to give my two cents, although it will cost more than sixpence for me to pay for five courses of my indifference. You want to open up a discourse, I've just opened up a distance. And I wasn't in your inbox, didn't need to outfox. You thought I'd be out on the pitch, but I'm up in the commentary box telling you about our disparity. And the real calamity is that when the camera pans to me, there's no commentator, because I'm just a Pharisee. And you know I've been taking offence. All I've been doing really is making offence. With each one of my comments on the commentariat, the walls are so high now, I don't even have to look at the proletariat. You see, I'm impoverished whenever I play politics. I couldn't play Power Rangers. How is anybody left empowered when they live inside this echo chamber? So I don't want to share your content, but, but pass the cup for Judgment Day. Yet as I go to sip, I see the contents consist of Beaujolais. And I've been so faithless, so I don't just taste it, I drink the whole cup. Instead of getting wasted, all I do is wake up from my concussion. My son, go forth and multiply your discussion. You want to play in the band, you've got to play percussion. Because in the orchestra of God, questions are the melodies and the remedies are dialogues. That's the sound of the kingdom of heaven, where the court is always in session. When I get going, I get into the session. Don't get me started on intercession. Even the angels are harping on. More questions, please. Blessed be Michael Parkinson. And yes, I do want to pass this on. No man is his own island. Even when he looks so bad like a dad still wearing Stone Island. Dethor my heart shopping at Iceland. I was making a dog's dinner. But I met a God who came for sinners, ripped off the labels. At the Last Supper, even Judas sat down at Jesus' table to stop telling tales. There's no verse that's a conspiracy about revelation, but he's given chapter and verse on the kingdom built by celebration. And it's right in front of me, like a raindrop that's glistening. But I'm going to miss the drop unless I start listening. So bring back the artists and bring out the wordsmiths. This is not just a conversation. This is an act of worship. Wow, wasn't that amazing? Guys, as we kind of come to an end, I want to challenge you. In your relationships with people, take time. Take your turn. And then take a risk. And guys, what about your relationship with God? What would it look like for you to take your time? What would it look like for you to take your turn? And what would it look like for you to take a risk? And I'm looking right into the camera now because I just believe that there are many of us in this season. And when it comes to our conversation with God, we're not talking. In fact, we go right back to where we started with that Cliff Richard song. It's so funny how we don't talk anymore. And I know that there is somebody out there and you're not talking with God anymore. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe something happened. Maybe it was your fault. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just life. Maybe you lost somebody close. Maybe something happened again and, and you lost something again and someone hurt you or someone let you down. And God comes to you because He loves you and He asks you a question, where are you? Not because He doesn't know, because, but because He wants you to establish where you are in connection to where He is. And He doesn't care how you are in that sense. He just wants to know that you're there. So you can bring anything to Him. 
You can talk to Him even if you're angry. You can talk to Him even if you're hurt. You can talk to Him even if you don't know whether He exists anymore. But the one thing, the one thing that He, that he almost like can't stand more than anything else is when we're just not talking. Because for God, relationship is everything. He's not hiding. He's seeking and He's looking to restore that relationship, that healthy relationship with every single one of us. So where are you? Maybe you're sulking. Maybe you're hiding. Maybe you're pretending. Maybe you're running. Maybe you're cowering. Maybe you're blaming. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you just feel overwhelmed. Wherever you are, God invites you to relationship today. And I want to pray for you. And maybe right now there are some of you and you would love us to pray for you. We're going to drop some prayer links in the chat right now. And you can go to, to Next Steps, to our, to our uh, website and someone would love to pray for you. You know, we, many of us, we, we read these prayer requests and we pray for you during the week. But you know, that's not the real power. The real power is that as you express that, that's like you're responding to the invitation that God gives you to reestablish and to build again relationship. So let me pray for you for a moment. Jesus, I want to pray for every single person watching this whenever or wherever they're watching it. God, may they know that you love them so much and maybe they have stopped talking to you. God, I pray that even today they would reestablish relationship through beginning again conversation. So God, would you help us? I pray. Thank you, God, that you love us so, so much. In Jesus' name. Amen.